Father in heaven, we thank thee that we have this privilege of gathering as those of like precious faith to sit at thy feet, Lord, and learn from thee and from the experiences of others. We pray, Heavenly Father, that thy spirit might be in our midst, that those that will share thoughts will share them as they are moved by thy spirit. We pray, Lord, for a calming of thy spirit and, that, and for a sense of peace to come over this group. Lord, this is a wonderful topic and one that the world seems to have misunderstood, and we thank the Heavenly Father for the wisdom that we've been able to gather from, from many throughout North America. And now, Lord, we await your continued blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife and I are by no means experts on the topic of in-law relationships. I think I could be pretty close because I think I have some of the best in-laws in the world. Um, and I'm not going to give my story. Frida will, will tell hers in a bit. Um, we do have some handouts that you can get at the end of the forum. The, all of the overheads are on uh, a printout for you. And then also we received an article uh, that a brother took out of Newsweek that seemed appropriate, and we made some copies of that as well. I didn't do the work. I did a little bit of it. I did some of the fine-tuning of, of a presentation, but, but Frida and some of the sisters that she knows uh, put questionnaires out throughout North America, got feedback from a lot of people, and uh, spent many, many, many hours on it. And I was just amazed at when I read through the, the advice that, that mothers in law and mothers and daughters in law and daughters gave because really what, what our, our goal here is um, not to present to you this silver bullet for taking care of any in-law relation issues because there is no one thing that is absolute other than some scriptural uh, references that we'll read those truly are absolute but every situation is different all personalities are different and those are things that have to be considered when we look at the relationship between uh, an in-law parent and their new son or daughter. The first scripture that comes to mind is Romans 12.10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. If we really base all of our relationships on this earth, on this verse, they're going to be much better regardless of what happens. I remember uh, the last time my grandma friend visited Syracuse, I took her back to Mansfield on the weekend that my previous engagement was going to be announced. So grandma and I had, back then it was a 55 mile an hour speed limit, and yes, I drove the speed limit back then. My boys may not believe me on that, but I did. But grandma and I had about eight hours to talk. And one of the things I will never forget is when grandma said to me, she said, I got some advice from an old ministering brother in the Union City Church when I really wasn't sure that I was going to say yes to Grandpa's second proposal. My grandpa proposed to her twice. She said no the first time. And on the second time, this brother said to her, Sister Margaret, there is no reason why two people who have their spiritual house in order should not be able to get along. And how true that should be even with an in-law parent relationship. If our spiritual house is in order, there should be no reason why we shouldn't be able to get along. What we're going to go through first are the overheads that talk about struggles. Because I prefer to get those things out of the way so that we always end on a positive note. So what I'm going to put up here and read for you are struggles that mothers-in-law, perhaps fathers-in-laws, and the children have shared with us. My in-laws make suggestions publicly about how we should deal with some child-rearing issues. My mother-in-law is very controlling and has trouble letting go of her son. My in-laws don't follow or respect our rules with our children when they are with them, even after repeated requests. My mother-in-law and sisters-in-law exclude us daughters-in-law from family plannings and make us feel like outsiders. I wish we would have done a better job of leaving when we were first married, not living so close 
to in-laws. Scriptures say that we should leave and cleave to our wives, gentlemen. My husband's mother only calls him at work. I wish we would have tried to foster a closer relationship with my unconverted in-laws. My mother-in-law gives me suggestions and expects me to follow through even if I don't like them or agree with them. My in-laws don't respect our privacy. They come over without notice and just walk into the house. My in-laws don't help with babysitting the kids. I don't appreciate having to change as a person just to please my in-laws. I have basically learned how not to act just to please my in-laws. I wish I could be more honest with my feelings and speak up without fear of confrontations. My mother-in-law seems to find fault with me, but doesn't seem to see what her daughter is doing. Yeah, we, um, I'm going to encourage her to speak up too, because she has a microphone here she could use, but she likes to be quiet, and that's okay. We got many more positive things and helpful hints than we did struggles. Now, that really is a, is, is a positive, um, that, that many of the, of the folks would rather say the positive things and focus on the positive things than the negative things. So some of these points that were brought up as struggles were things, yes, they were things that were submitted to us, or things that, that some of the sisters have heard from people over the years. But we put that out, not that we're justifying them as being correct or not. There is no really right or wrong in a lot of this. It's perceptions. And what we can do to overcome those perceptions. Biblical principles. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Again, the man is to leave home and to cleave. To his wife, and I think Brother Scott, in in one of the wedding sermons that he did, I think maybe uh, uh, Aaron and Christina's wedding, he said that really it means you're supposed to leave and you're supposed to stick to your wife. Perhaps there are times, brothers, when we are the cause of some of the tension because we have not left home and have not cleaved to our wife the way we should have. Ruth one sixteen. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Ruth was not a Hebrew. Ruth was a Moabitess. She was a woman of Moab. She was widowed, but so was Naomi, her mother-in-law. And even though Naomi said, you know, girls, go back to your people. There's no way that I can have any more sons that can be your wives. I'm not going to be able to really care for you the way I should be able to. I'm pretty much going to be an outcast when I get home. But Ruth said to her mother-in-law, I'm not leaving. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Whatever you do, I'm going to do. I'm going to be there, Mom, to help you however I can, regardless of what the future might hold for me. Your people will be my people. What a different perspective Ruth had of a mother-in-law than what the world has painted. You know, if you put an apartment on the back of your house, it's called an in-law apartment. Well, we don't want them in our home. But Ruth said, You're my mother now, and wherever you go, I'm going to go, and I'm going to be there to help you and support you. So the biblical principle behind this one is 
daughters-in-law have a responsibility to their mother-in-law as well. Romans 10, 12 again. Be ye kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. And I realize this wasn't talking necessarily about a family relationship, but a spiritual relationship in honor, preferring one another. If this is the directive, dear ones, that's given to us in the household of faith, how much more should it apply within the family unit that the Lord has brought together? So it is no longer just me and mine but it really becomes ours within this family unit. What are we doing to build that relationship that will be one that is, that is full of, of love and, and preferring one another? 1 Corinthians 13, 14. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Think about this verse, dear ones, in the in-law relationship suffers long, is kind, envies not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It's not so much about me, but it's about the other person. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Again, really focus specifically on the, the, the church, the, 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 the brotherhood relationship, but equally applicable in that Extended family relationship. First Peter 1, 5 through 7. And beside this, give all diligence. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. When I read this verse, what stuck out to me the most is add to virtue knowledge. Peter was also the one that said, husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. We really have to, as believers in this extended family relationship now, take a look at who are the people that are in it? What are their personalities? What are their backgrounds? What is the cultural bearing that's, that's, that's coming into this, into this union now? And how might I need to change how I might act, what I might say, and even what rules I might lay down, depending on this new unit that the Lord has put together. Because the Lord has brought the couple together, which also brings extended parents together and grandparents. And they all have to work it out. But remember what, and I think it was maybe Uncle Johnny's grandpa that said to my grandmother, Sister Margaret, there is no reason why two people with their spiritual house in order should not be able to get along. Psalm 34, 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. David was saying, we need to depart from evil. What evil? Any evil. Gossip. Backbiting. Spitefulness. Hatred. Evil thoughts. All of them. Do good. Acts of kindness. Seek peace. And he even said to pursue it. To work on building peace in the relationships. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify the other. What are we doing to build up each other? Not just in the household of faith, but in this new family unit that the Lord has brought together. We have an obligation to do that. 
Deuteronomy 5, 16 and 17. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which thy Lord, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I realize that we said leave father and mother and cleave to your wife, but you still have parents as long as the Lord leaves them on this earth. Just because we're married doesn't mean we don't honor mother and father anymore. And the note that, that I put in here, so if anybody has a problem with it, blame me. Our children are watching how we treat our parents. And if we don't treat our parents with respect and with honor, how can we expect our children to do that with us someday? The day may come when they just want to put us in a home somewhere because we're in the way. And we disagree with perhaps some things that they aren't doing the way we want it. Biblical history. Genesis 25, 28. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Mom and dad had favorites. Anytime there are favorites, there are problems. We can see what happened to the nation of Israel simply because Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. Years, centuries of strife and fighting because of it. Genesis 37, 3, uh, 3 and 4. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. And could not speak peaceably unto him. Parents, we have to make sure that we don't play favorites with our children. We, we need to make sure that we don't play favorites with our in-law children. We need to make sure that we don't try so hard, perhaps, to welcome the in-law child that we forget about the birth child. Those are difficult situations, but... If the Lord is part of the discussions and part of the plans and part of the union, he'll work through it. But we can see what happened with, with Joseph and the situation with his brethren. These are two um, situations uh, with Jethro and, and Moses. Now, who is Jethro? Joseph's father-in-law, or Moses' father-in-law, thank you. Anybody remember what happened in Exodus 18? Moses had a problem on his hands. What was it? He was wearing Thank you. He was wearing himself out, making all the judgments for the nation of Israel. So let's see, was it the, the, uh, the elders of Israel that gave him the advice? No, it was Jethro. His father-in-law, priest of Midian. And what did he say? Pardon? Delegate. Moses, you're not going to survive. And I love this story because Moses listened to his father-in-law. He could have said, wait a minute. Dad, God didn't call you to leave these people out of Egypt. He called me. I'm the one that saw the burning bush. I'm the, I'm the one that saw God. But he listened to what his father-in-law said and he took the advice and he moved forward. You know, there is wisdom in years. And just because maybe we're adults and we're big enough to get married and we're big enough to have families doesn't mean we're too big to listen to mom and dad. They may have some very good advice for us. Here's our story. Now she has to talk. First of all, I want to thank everyone who, who prayed for me, especially um, those that know me well, know that this is not my thing to talk in front of people, but um, I, I wrote things down, so I will read it because I'm not a speaker. Um, I want to tell you my story. Um, it's actually our story, but mostly I talk about my, my um, in-law relationship. My in-law experience started with getting a proposal from the elder and having the conviction to accept it. And I won't go into how I came to that conviction. Uh, following this, 
I was accepted into David's family like I was their own. I still remember the letters I received from both mom and dad, Freund, individually that brought tears to my eyes. I was so humbled by their acceptance of their son's decision and conviction, even though they had no prior knowledge of anything. David didn't share with his parents what the Lord had laid on his heart until the time of the proposal was to be conveyed. Now that I have grown children who are getting married, it still often amazes me how quickly they accepted and supported David's faith in this step in his life. For the first eight years of our marriage, David's siblings lived in town and we spent many Sunday dinners together as a family and it was a wonderful time for the young cousins to be at grandma's and grandpa's making wonderful memories. After David's siblings moved, we continued to spend much time with his parents, especially on Sundays. When I was home with the children, my mother-in-law and I would talk on the phone almost every day, and that has changed a bit now that I'm working. I still try to call a couple times a week just to check in and chat. I have to say that my relationship with my in-laws has been very loving and positive. Very early in our marriage, they obviously figured out who I was as a person and responded appropriately. For example, I would have been very insecure if my mother-in-law would have come into my house and done household chores for me. Even though she offered and would have enjoyed it, she never forced the issue. When we had things that we felt needed to be addressed, depending on which parent it pertained to, the appropriate son or daughter would be the spokesperson. Depending on the issue, we would both be present, and at other times, only the person talking to them would take care of it. I believe that my parents have played an important role in my life to help with my in-law relationship. Since I've been collecting my thoughts about this forum, I've come to the realization that my parents have never said one negative thing to me about my husband. When we were first married, my mother told me that she didn't want me to complain about my husband to her. She said, you will make up and I will still have those bad feelings. So even if I try to share some of my frustrations, she would only point out all the, of David's wonderful qualities, stick up for him, and so I complained, stop, stop complaining to her. On the other hand, David never went to his parents and complained to them about me. Therefore, the trust relationship developed. My parents taught and encouraged me to respect my in-laws, and they only spoke positively about them. They have a relationship of love and mutual respect for each other. My parents have often heard my mother-in-law praise me, which gave them much comfort and joy. Throughout my growing up years, my mother also stressed to us not to talk badly about our siblings to her and to each other. To this day, we have tried to abide by this and have been really blessed by doing so. I really believe that not talking badly about each other really helps in all relationships, and one can really benefit from that when looking back at things. And uh, reflecting on my experience, I think mothers play an important role with helping their children develop good and positive in-law relationships. And we as mothers can pass this on to our children. We're gonna go now into the positive comments. There are also two other testimonies that Frida, Frida will read that sisters have sent in. And again, our objective here is not to give you all this. We have no wisdom between us that we can share other than the experiences that we've made. Our relationship was very different than perhaps yours. Um, I didn't know my in-laws at all. They didn't know me at all. I didn't know my wife at all. The Lord worked all of this out, and it's been an amazing experience. Your situations might be different. You might be very familiar with each other. And there may be things that you know from the past that there's no way I would have known, nor my mother-in-law would have known. But our hope is that by presenting now these positive comments for you, and especially the two other testimonies that Frida's going to read, you're going to find little tools that you can put in this toolbox, this toolkit for effective in-law relationships. That's the goal that we have. Not that we have any wisdom to give you. We've given you some scripture verses. But look at these points that these mothers and grandmothers and daughters have given and find out, is that a tool that's going to fit well in your toolbox? My in-laws are always eager to watch the kids and are very generous and helpful. 
My in-laws respect us and our privacy as a couple. My mother-in-law is very loving toward me and treats me the same as her daughters. My in-laws only offer advice when asked. My father-in-law drove 30 minutes to my house to rescue me from a dead mouse. <laughs> Ashley, anytime you have a problem, I'll be there or save you from the snow. If I wanted to live in Syracuse, I got to be on call. We enjoy spending time together, going out to dinner, going on vacations. Love those regular Sunday lunches or dinners together. My mother-in-law never judged or criticized me in any way. If she had any concern about something, she talked to her son about it, and then he could share it with me at a time that he felt was appropriate. I appreciated this because it kept our relationship free of any real strain or awkwardness. We received many more positive uh, comments than negative ones, but there were a lot of repetitions, so that's why that seems so short. But they were just a lot more than negative ones. Um, this sister does not want to be, uh, wants to be kept anonymous, but I just thought it was so beautiful. I want to read it uh, word for word. I have always felt like I was part of the family. My first dinner at their place, I received a card signed by each of the family welcoming me into their family. When we get together, I don't feel like an outsider, but also don't consider myself an outsider. I call his parents, dad and mom, because they are his parents. He calls them that, and that's what he calls my parents. It's part of joining the family. My in-laws moved five doors down from us, and we were a bit apprehensive about this at first, but it has worked out very well by each of us being considerate towards each other. We also go on a two-week vacation with my in-laws every year and hope to continue to do so as long as they're able. We also did this with my parents as long as they were able. Remember that your in-laws are the parents of your husband. They raised him and had a large part in who he became. With the Lord's help, love them as your own. If you love your husband, show him by loving his parents. At family get-togethers, pitch in by bringing something or cleaning up afterwards. Be a part of the family. If you li act like a guest, you will feel like a guest. My parents never spoke against my in-laws, and my mom always tells me, you have the best in-laws. My in-laws speak Romanian, much more easily than English, so I have to remember when they say something to me, maybe it doesn't come out exactly the way they meant it to. Also, if they speak Romanian with my husband and I don't understand what they're saying, I don't assume they're saying some, something they don't want me to hear. If I want to know what they're saying, I'll ask my husband to translate for me. For the most part, they try to speak English when I'm there. If you love your children, be a good example to them of how to treat you as their parents by how you treat your parents and how they should someday treat their in-laws. Above all, remember that first and foremost, we are Christians. We should treat others the way we want to be treated no matter what, not only if they treat us the way we want them to, and that sometimes we're overly sensitive and read this situation all wrong. We all make mistakes and want to be forgiven, so we need to forgive and forget and pray and love. My mother-in-law speaks Serbian, and she speaks German, and she speaks a little bit of English. I know one real phrase in Serbian, and it's, I have a beautiful wife. <laughs> and I learned that so that I could say that to my mother-in-law. I know a little bit of German. You know, I, I was in Switzerland on business some years, so I know, some years ago, so I know how to get a room and get a meal. But my mother-in-law and I have no problem communicating. Her smile says more than anything else. And she finds ways to communicate with me. So if you have this idea that there's this language barrier, it's only there if you make it. Helpful suggestions and advice. We've got quite a few of these. 
try to get to know the new member joining the family personally, their likes and their dislikes. Learn about their lives, take an interest, get to know them, ask them about their past. There are amazing things you can find out from the folks when you ask them, well, what was it like? When, you know, where did you go to school? Those type of things. Spend time together. Call each other at least once a week, even if you live in the same town and see each other at church. Talk to your in-law children on the phone, not just your own children. My wife can get a lot more information about an event if she talks to Ashley on the phone than if she talks to Michael on the phone. Women notice different things, and women want to know, how was the food? What did the dress look like at a wedding? Guys, they, they just want to know, was there enough food? <laughs> Find a good balance. Try not to exclude your own children when trying too hard to welcome your children-in-law. Don't prefer one over the other. Love them. The more you love them, the more they love you. Show them lots of love and treat them the same as you treat your own children. Always be a good example. If you're unhappy with the way your daughter-in-law dresses, your son probably wants her to. We found that out at the elder meeting or at the National Brothers meeting in Windsor when the question came up, what do we do about the sisters that perhaps dress inappropriately? And the answer is that their husbands are probably asking them to dress that way. So mothers, be careful if you're going to criticize your daughter-in-law. Ask your in-law children to call you mom and dad. It's not easy to call somebody else mom and dad. It's extremely awkward. But once you do it a few times, it's normal. Find something to admire. Too often we find something to find fault with. But look for something to admire. Look for positive characteristics. Talk to the person about, I appreciate the fact that you do this or this or this. Compliment each other. Pray for each other. Bless them. We really need to think about that. What does it really mean to bless our children, our in-law children, or perhaps even our in-laws. Don't send in-law cards. They are your children now. Have the in-law write in the card also means so much. I don't do that. I have terrible handwriting. My wife even sends the cards to my parents. But she's doing a much better job with my kids because she says, you're going to write in the card to Omi and Opa or to Muti and Opa. And it really means a lot to me because when I get cards from my kids that are married, they've written in them with their own handwriting. Allow the couple to develop their own family traditions, their own way of doing things. If they want to include you, fine. If not, that's fine too. Don't ask private questions that are not any of your business. Respect their privacy. Call before stopping by. Don't try to change each other to fit into your family. Remember, there's perhaps even different cultures coming together here. Different, different traditions, different practices. Never give advice unless specifically asked. Don't take sides if there's an issue or a difficult situation they need to make. Teach them to resolve it together with each other and through prayer. Again, these are all suggestions that came from many of you folks. Help them to see each other's side of the issue when they ask for advice. I think my mother-in-law's advice was excellent because I was not always and am not always a good husband. And if she would have been, a, been this receiving receptacle for all of Frida's complaints, that would have encouraged that. It wouldn't have done anything to help the situation. I didn't have anything to complain about with my wife, so 
Very little. How's that? Mothers-in-law need to remember what struggles they may have had with their own mother-in-laws and try to learn from that as they try to build better relationships with their in-law children. Share your own experiences in how you resolved issues and strengthened your marriage. Scriptures tell us that the aged women should teach the younger women how to love their husbands. Don't interfere even when you see them making mistakes in their own relationship. The son can be very helpful to diffuse a situation that may arise between the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law. He knows his mother from childhood, and he knows his wife better than most. He has a clearer perspective. Daughters-in-law need to try to put themselves in their mother-in-law's place. Try to imagine your child being married. That also works for fathers-in-law. It's, you know, somebody one time said the longest walk a father ever takes is his wife down the his daughter down the aisle. That is true, even if you're getting a wonderful son like Andrew. It's difficult. And so sometimes on both sides of that relationship, from the son-in-law and the father-in-law, just remember what it was like. And if, you know, the father can say that, the son-in-law needs to remember what it might be like if he has a daughter and has to give that daughter to somebody else. Don't be quick to respond. There was a man that used to be the chairman of the board of the company I worked for. When he would try to, when he was mentoring me, he had a, a phrase he used a lot. He would give me a suggestion and then he'd say, let's let that age a little bit. And I've often remembered that, and I use it now with the team, now that he's retired. When we have to make a decision, we've come up with what we think is the best one. I say, let's let that age for a while and see if tomorrow it's as good a thing. You know, maybe formulate a response in your mind, but don't share it until it's aged a bit. I missed one? What did I miss? Your in-laws don't think... Oh, when your in-laws... See, she has to help me. I really appreciate that. When your in-laws don't think you are good enough for their son, show them that you love your husband and love them as though you don't have, didn't have a clue as to why they felt that way. Thank you. That was a critical one. I'm glad you helped me find, come back to that. Don't expect your daughter-in-law to be like you. Don't have unrealistic expectations. If you have unresolved issues with your child, don't blame it on their spouse. Appreciate what you have, not what you think it should be. Never complain to your in-law's parents about their son or daughter or your spouse. Three points to consider prayerfully before addressing an issue. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Seek first to understand then to be understood. Too often we want to be understood before we even know what the situation might be. Try to understand the spouse's family dynamic and not feel overwhelmed. For example, close families will want to know how the young couple is doing. The in-law might feel like they are prying. Some, couples are, some families are very close and they share everything. And they just assume that now that we have this new person in the family, well, he or she wants to share everything. So how are you doing? How are you feeling? How is work? How's the car? How's the line? We have to understand they may not really be quite as excited about being smothered by us as others. I say that for my poor in-law children because our family is unique. Understand that different families have different practices. We can all learn from each other. And edify each other. Offer to babysit. If you say no too often, they'll feel uncomfortable to ask again. Enjoy your grandchildren. Invite the cousins over when you're watching some of them. They enjoy being together. And grandparents, remember what it was like to be a young parent. To have the children all the time and what it felt like when grandma or grandpa said we'll take the kids for you for a while 
Do not discipline their children unless they give you permission. Now, my grandfather said to my father when he gave my sister a swat, don't you ever do that in my presence again. But then he quickly learned and apologized. Why did I have to be the last child, not the first? Ask, what can I do to help? Ask specific questions like, is it okay if we take the kids here or there? Again, this is about communication. Don't just assume that because you did it with your children, you can do it with their children. Life testimonial number two. Okay, I actually um, wrote this sister and asked, or talked to her and asked if she could uh, give us her testimony because I had heard some wonderful things about her and um, she was very humble. She could have written a lot more, but it's a beautiful story, true story. I received and accepted my proposal for marriage to a wonderful man. Not ever having met my future in-laws, but truly looking forward to a wonderful and blessed life. This was all new, and not only that I was, would be going to a new country, Canada, I would be moving a far distance from my parents and siblings. I knew I would miss them very much. Traveling was not easy, and the long-distance telephone rates were not good. Being that I was an American and moving into a Serbian family, I had many challenges to face. They, my in-laws, did not speak English, and I did not speak Serbian. But thanks to God, we all spoke the language of God's love, and with that, we had a very firm starting point. I was accepted with loving arms and hearts, even though I, had, I was the only daughter-in-law that was not born in Yugoslavia and did not speak Serbian. We lived with my in-laws for a few weeks till our house was ready. During that time, everyone left for work, and it was just my mother-in-law and myself at home. She was so dear to me as she was the mother of my dear husband, whom I loved very much. I wanted to be able to share my thoughts and my love for her and to learn from her, so I learned to speak Serbian. It was not hard. Nothing is hard if you do it in love. It became an adventure of learning for me. Till the day my mother-in-law passed away, she always told people that I had tricked her. She said she had promised to help me learn Serbian, and I was to teach her English. She taught me Serbian, but she didn't learn English. We had many laughs about this. My in-laws never tried to tell us how to run our household or raise our children. If she had suggestions, she shared them in love, but never demanded anything. She was such a loving and giving person. Over time, we became very close and truly enjoyed each other's company. She was always there when I needed an extra pair of hands to help or a soft heart to listen to my concerns. God saw that we both needed and provided over and above. When each of our eight children were born, my dear mother-in-law would drop everything and come be with the children and my husband till I came home from the hospital. My mother was unable to come on short notice. She had to give one week notice at work and babies have a way of not giving much notice as to when they will arrive. My mother always came the week I was first home from the hospital. Now being a mother-in-law myself, I truly see what mine did for me. My mother-in-law was widowed for 15 years. She did not drive, and I was thankful that we had such a wonderful relationship that I was able to take her to shop, doctor appointments, and that my Serbian was good enough to translate when needed. I called her every day to check if there was anything she needed but mostly to let her know that I loved her and cared about her. She waited for those calls. Yes, I was busy with my family, but what is a few minutes in a day if you can make someone feel cared about and loved? If there's one thing I could say, you may not like the way of how they do things or how they come across. Remember to keep an open mind because for sure you have ways that they might not that may not be to their liking as well. Always go in the love of God, and the way will be easier and more joyous. Nowhere does it say we will not have bumps along the way, but that is what makes life interesting and not boring. I miss my dear mama more than words can say, but am so thankful that God put her in my life and the life of our children. My prayer is that everyone could have a relationship with their in-laws as I have had. I have been truly blessed and want to give God all of the praise and honor. 
I did not deserve it. Discussion points. What we have here is a is a a situation and then some comments below it. And we have two of these and and then we, we have to conclude at three, and that's the reason why we limited the, the, the questions here, because again, we don't have the answers, but I'll tell you, the sister that provided that last testimonial sure does, and that's why we wanted to read that. But here's the first one. How do you deal with different family practices as these families are joined, celebrating holidays and birthdays? With an open mind, is if our practice is a real offense to the other family, we start over, with an open mind, if our practice is a real offense to the other family, we should be prepared to alter that practice. And if the other side has a practice that we have never adopted by ourselves, we should not openly and loudly boycott it, but try to participate in some way that is not offensive to us. We need to understand that different families have different ways of celebrating holidays. For many years, out of respect for my in-laws, we had no Christmas tree because they felt it was not the right thing to do. We usually celebrated together with both our parents, including birthdays. Would somebody like to comment on this one here, the one about celebrating holidays, family practices differing? You've had two people give an example there. Sister Hilda. Let me just repeat that in case you didn't hear it. I'll try to get most of it, Sister Hilda. But she said, after looking at this situation for 25 years of where do you spend the holidays, the day isn't that important. And you can't, you know, so you may have to have it be a breakfast instead of a dinner. Or it doesn't always have to be on Christmas Day or Easter. It could be before that or after that to accommodate all the family that wants to be together. Did I paraphrase that enough? Thanks. Any other comments? There are a lot of practices that differ. You know, my in-laws didn't have a Christmas tree. We did sometimes when I was growing up, depending on where we were and what we were doing. So it was not hard for me to understand that, you know what, I wasn't going to do it just because I didn't want to hurt my in-laws. It may not have hurt them, I don't know. But I thought, why push it? That just, was, it worked for me. Yes. For the coaster. They will steer us from a lot of things. Whatever we do in our lives, celebrating or not celebrating, sometimes not something. If we compare all ourselves first to the word of God, is it okay to do it? What if that is fine or what doesn't? If we put that first thing uh, ahead of us, then we can achieve a lot of things. Very good, thank you. The brother said, the first thing we should do is compare our practice or our, our activity or the way we're going to do it to the word of God. That should be the first thing. And does it edify? Does it build up? That's the key. Thank you. Another comment about the holiday. That seems to be one that can trip families up because we're so different depending on where we came from. If you need to speak to your child about something that doesn't please you, do you talk to him or her privately or both present? There were different views on this one. The scriptures are clear that all matters of concern should be approached privately. Our relationship should be such that, for the, that love for the individual will guide such conversations. It may be that after the initial conversation, a second meeting involving the spouse would be helpful. Definitely talk to him or her privately. These discussions should not be complaints and should not happen frequently. If you have nothing good to say, say nothing at all. 
Never take your own child aside and talk to him or her about something that does not please you. That part of your parenting years is gone. If you, need to, if you do need to speak to your own child, always do it with both of them present, as it would, could cause a division between the two of them, and you will not endear the in-law spouse to you. It's good for the spouse to be there so that they hear the original concern. What are your thoughts about... Whoops. I'll try to get back to that one. Do we talk to both of them together or do we talk to just one of them? What do you think? It depends. What's it depend on? The personalities of the people. The situation could do it. Yeah. And, and see, if, if you would ask us, okay, so what's the rule? After you've researched this, what's the rule? There is no rule. Certainly the scriptures are, are, are the basis for all of this. But, you know, there, we, we, have to, we have to, husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. We need to add to love and temperance knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of the people. Who are they? What makes them tick? What will they enjoy? What won't they enjoy? You know, what will, how will we get through to them easiest? get there got there surprised okay that's what we have to focus on other thoughts yes Thank you. Sister shares personal experience of when she first got married, the in-law parents spoke to her husband, and she did feel like she wasn't part of it and left out. But after she got to know them, she was included more, and she felt more a part of the family, even if it wasn't a pleasant thing. Thank you. There was another hand here somewhere. Leanne, you sure? Okay. All right. Maybe Leanne's mom or dad or sister. No. Any other comment about this? Yes, Sister Marie. Preparation time. Let the concern age for a time till there's clarity of how is the Spirit leading. The Spirit may give us the call to boldness, as our lesson was today. Or it may be one that the Spirit says, wow, this one you need to just let go, or this one is to just one or the other or both. Any other comments about this one? Yes. doesn't say that the daughter has to leave mom and dad. <laughs> it says that the, old, the aged women have to teach her to love her husband. <laughs> doesn't say that the old men have to teach the young men how to love their wives. Right. Thank you. Why? Why doesn't the Bible say that the women have to leave mom and dad? Because they can't. <laughs> Sister Leanne says because they can't. Maybe it's implied. Yeah. Thank you. That it really is implied that we both need to leave and cleave. 
Uh, first, Sister. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Sister Barb said that the scriptures say the two shall become one. And if, they're, they, if the two become one, they can't hang on to mom and dad. Sister Margaret. have to make sure the apron strings aren't tied too tightly to their children, especially mothers to the sons. Any other comments? We've got two minutes. Brother Costa. say when when my father-in-law had only daughters and when I married my wife I thought one of the goals that I had was I wanted to be the son that he didn't have because every father would love to have a son and I think I but I but what I realized was that I took his daughter away he never ever seemed to hold that against me he viewed me more as the son he didn't have and then some years later had a second son that came into the family. You know, but my, when I say I have the best in-laws in the world, I believe I do. They have done nothing but encourage a, a healthy relationship between my wife and I and, with, and, and when, the, the things that my mother-in-law says, that my mother says about my wife to her friends. And then my mother-in-law does us, brings us this gift of, you know, do you know how nice your mother-in-law speaks of you you know imagine how that makes the daughter-in-law feel so again it was this my the wisdom that came must be those Gitchinoff women they just had that wisdom right uncle rudy they, they had that wisdom to know how to help those relationships any other comments Thank you. Sister Amy Beth said that, you know, it's like believers are accepting the world's view of in-laws and that you can accept a bad relationship with your in-laws. Not only are you robbing yourself of a beautiful relationship, it's not scriptural. Nowhere in scripture does it say that I can have a bad relationship with a brother or sister, especially if they're the parents of my spouse. So the question then is, What's causing the problem? And what we really need to look at is not what can that person do to help the situation, but what do I have to do to help the situation? What part of what, of my, what, what am I doing in this relationship to cause some of this conflict? Am I really going to be like Ruth and say, you know what, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Am I going to be like Moses and accept the advice from the father-in-law? Am I really going to honor my new parents? Because the scripture says that it will be well with me and that I will prosper on the earth if I do that. Not to mention the blessing that we have of that. If we know the wonderful blessings we had with our parents, it should be doubled when we get married. We have, again... Um, the, uh, the handouts, the large stack is, is the handouts of all of the, the slides, and then there are a few uh, less.
copies of the article. I want to thank you all for your participation. Again, we aren't the experts. The word is, the spirit is the guide, and each other can help as we nurture these relationships. May the Lord bless you.